For our scripture reading, I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 7. I'll begin reading at verse 14 to the end of the chapter. If you're using a pew Bible, that can be found on page 58. Continue our sermon series on the book of Exodus. We continued last week, um, where this summer we'll be looking at the plagues and the Passover. Last week we heard a sermon on verses 1 to 13. This morning we'll focus on verses 14 to 25, the first plague. Now let's hear God's word. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him and take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. And you shall say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you have not obeyed. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, with a staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall turn into blood. The fish in the Nile shall die, and the Nile will stink, and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, their canals, and their ponds, and all their pools of water, so that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, he lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile. And all the water in the Nile turned into blood. And the fish in the Nile died, and the Nile stank, so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. But the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them. As the Lord had said, Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. Seven full days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Let's ask his blessing in a time of prayer. Oh, Father in heaven, we pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what the Holy Spirit is teaching the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, may we see from your word with spiritual eyes your greatness, your lordship over all things. May we learn to bend the knee to our King and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Earlier, God told Moses, I will make you God to Pharaoh. Earlier in Exodus, he said he would make Moses God to Aaron. Not God in his divine essence, of course, but he would possess God would possess divine authority and rights to execute justice upon Pharaoh in Egypt. So that when Pharaoh 
was confronted by Moses, it would be as if he's being confronted by God himself. God gave Moses the courage to stand against a tyrant. We've seen throughout Moses' weakness, Moses was scared. He questioned his abilities. But God in his patience and long-suffering, God in his goodness gave Moses the courage by his word to make Moses a man who is faithful to the calling placed before him. Go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And then we heard last week that the staff of Aaron, which was thrown to the ground, became a serpent, and the magicians did the same. They threw down their staffs and became serpents, and the staff of Aaron, which is the staff of God, swallowed up the serpents of Egypt, of Pharaoh's magicians, destroying the powers of evil. It set the stage for what is called the ten plagues. God will demonstrate that he has the power over these evil forces. And most especially against the forces of evil concerning the gods of Egypt. I already addressed the significance of the snake god of Egypt and how Pharaoh had an image of a snake on his headdress, his his crown. I've already explained a bit about the hardening of a Pharaoh's heart, so we're not going to look too much into that this morning. You can look at past sermons or hear past sermons on that. But now we come to the signs and wonders of God, which are often called the ten plagues. Plague is not used in this narrative, but it's an entirely appropriate word to use because plague comes from the Latin, which means wound or strike, to strike a severe blow. And that's indeed what God does. He strikes severe blows in Egypt and to Pharaoh. In the first plague or in the first sign and wonder of God, The Lord God strikes a severe blow to Egypt's life source. That is the Nile River. The Nile River. And so first we want to look at the significance of the Nile River. Why does God target the Nile River? What is significant about it? Natural resources in any nation, are very important, aren't they? They depend on national or natural resources for economic stability, for the basic essentials in life. Without energy resources, the economy and well-being of the people are affected and suffer. If a country really wants to paralyze another country, really wants to cripple another country... Let's say in time of war, what are they going to go after? Those things that are cherished most. Those things that affect the economic stability of the country. You think about the wars in the Middle East. You go after the oil reserves. You go after nuclear facilities. 
You go after those things that will paralyze a nation. Power grids. Isn't that the talk today? Hackers trying to get into this nation's power grid. Imagine if the power grid was attacked and how it would cripple this country. The Nile River was precious, not only to the Egyptians, but the whole continent. It's the longest river in the world. And it had abundance of resources for the Egyptians. And the Lord God strikes Egypt's life source. He strikes them where it really hurts economically, financially, and most important, importantly, religiously. One commentator says that Egypt's entire civilization depended upon the Nile River. They depended upon the Nile River for drinking water, as we see in our text, fishing industry, transportation of goods and building materials. When they were building pyramids, how did they move the material along the Nile River? They relied upon the Nile River for watering their crops. They had a system in place called basin irrigation. And what this meant was when they, the Nile flooded yearly, they had a system in place where they had these brick fence-like structures around fields, and when the, when the Nile flooded, water would go into these reservoir fences, these basin-like areas where the water collects, and then when the water from the Nile recedes, the water remains in those basins. They were engineers. They built these earthen walls around farm fields so that they could water their crops in dry seasons. But most importantly, the Lord strikes the gods of Egypt because the Nile River was sacred to the people. It was sacred to the people. In fact, there was an ancient Egyptian hymn that goes something like this. Hail to thee, O Nile, that issues from the earth and comes to keep Egypt alive. The Nile was their life source. They relied upon it for their very lives and their very religious life. Because three gods particularly emerged from this Nile River. The god called Hapi, H-A-P-I, was known as the god of father of life. There's another god called Ma'at, which was the goddess of truth and justice. The god of harmony, the goddess of harmony. And then there was a third god, the god called Kum, who was the God of rebirth and creation. This God was the guardian of the Nile. And here the Lord God comes and strikes these gods, demonstrating to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt 
that I am the God of the Nile. I am Creator Lord. The earth is mine in the fullness thereof. Notice what verse 14 says. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning. Where? As he is going out to the water, stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him. And take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. It is believed by many that Pharaoh goes out to the Nile to do what? To pay homage, which was customarily done, to pay homage to the gods of the Nile. Because if the gods are happy, the land will be happy and blessed. We have our own modern day version of this. An offset of what's called environmentalism. Worshiping the creature and creation rather than the creator, the one who made the Nile. And so God, the Lord, strikes Israel's life source, the Nile River. And then we have the plague. What's the meaning of the plague? Look with me at verse 16. And you shall say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you have not obeyed. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it should turn into blood. The fish in the Nile shall die. And the Nile will stink, and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. And so that's what God tells Moses. And now Moses is commanded because he has got to Pharaoh. Aaron is Moses' prophet. And so at verse 19, the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, your prophet now, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their canals, their rivers, and their ponds, and all their pools of water, so that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. Strike the Nile with your staff. Immediately, what happens? The Lord miraculously turns all the water in Egypt. Notice, all the water in Egypt to turn into blood. The river, which was the life source of this nation and people, the river, which was the life source for Pharaoh, the river that they used to go to and pay homage to the gods, has now become a river of death, a stench of death. And water is unmistakably a common theme in Exodus. You remember in Exodus 1, the Pharaoh at that time, what did he command the Hebrew midwives to do? To cast all the sons of the Hebrews who are born into the Nile. 
And now God makes the Nile a stench of death to the Egyptians. The bodies of Hebrew boys were committed to the Nile River as a sacrificial offering of, for the gods of Egypt. But in this plague, the Lord makes known that He is God and He alone is God. He alone is God. There is none like Him. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. Everything belongs to Him. And He has the power and ability, because He is the God of nature, to use nature for His purposes. So often we come to sermons and our first thought is, how does this sermon apply to me? We're always thinking about how it applies to me. What can I get out of it? And sometimes that's a very big mistake to make. Because a sermon like this, a passage like this, we come away with, who is God? We need to come away with a sermon like this, a passage like this saying, wow, God is awesome in power and might. He is Lord. He is Lord and has the power to execute justice upon those who rebel against Him. Now there's, there are many scholars out there, interpreters, who believe that the blood here is not real blood. That when the staff struck the Nile, the Nile only resembled or seemed to be like blood. That there was no real chemical change, no transformation made. And they argue that, like the rest of the plagues, which are natural occurrences the locusts, the flies, the frogs, things that come from nature that this plague, too, came from nature because. During times of flooding, what would happen is the water that would come from the mountains, the water that would come from different areas, would stir up the red soil in the land, and then there would be an algae that would be created, that would come about. They were called flagellates. And the red soil made the river look as if it was blood. It was so red that it looked as if it was blood. And the algae created such a stench in the river and the oxygen levels were so low that the fish died. That's what interpreters would want to argue here. But they would still say that it's still a supernatural occurrence because God made it happen immediately. I don't believe that this is very convincing. There's nothing in the context that suggests that the water of the Nile resembled blood. 
Because what does God say? I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall turn into blood. It shall turn, it shall, shall, shall transform into blood. If God wanted to make it resemble blood, it would be such. For example, in 2 Kings chapter 3, if you're taking notes, 2 Kings chapter 3, verses 21 to 23, listen what happens here. When all the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against them, all who were able to put on armor, from the youngest to the oldest, were called out and were drawn up at the border. And when they rose early in the morning and the sun shone on the water, the Moabites saw the water opposite them as red as blood. It looked like blood. It resembled blood, but it wasn't. And they said, this is blood. The kings have surely fought together and struck one another down. Now then, Moab to the spoil. The context of 2 Kings obviously and clearly tells us that it wasn't blood, only resembled blood. But here in our passage, the Lord miraculously transforms the, the substance of the water into blood. And take note what the magicians do. Verse 20, Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. He lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile. And all the water in the Nile turned into blood, and the fish in the Nile died, and the Nile stank, so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt, but the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he did not take even this to heart. He saw the magicians do the same miracle, perform the same sign. And Pharaoh was deceived and didn't take God's miracle to heart. Now, if God struck all the water in the land of Egypt, how did the magicians have any water left to turn into blood? Well, that's an interesting question, a good question. I guess verse 24 would be helpful, that every time the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. Every time they tried to dig a well, they needed water, they kept digging and digging, the water turned into blood. The magicians themselves inflicted suffering on their own people. The activity of evil and Satan is alive and well here. Deceiving their own people behind their magic arts and their signs. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Near the end of the Bible there are 2 Thessalonians Chapter 2, as Paul describes the last days and the man of lawlessness. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. 
and with all wicked deception for those who are what? Perishing. Because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who do not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. God permits the magicians to perform the same sign and it becomes a delusion for Pharaoh where he hardens his heart even more. As I said before, Pharaoh's heart was already hardened. He rebelled against God's command and word. He would not let the people go. He hardened his heart towards the Lord's will and word. He did not allow the people of God to worship or serve the Lord in the wilderness. Because that means he would allow the people to serve Yahweh as Lord and not Pharaoh as Lord. The signs of the magicians were a delusion that Pharaoh believed what was false. Every generation seeks signs and wonders of the supernatural and of the miraculous kind. It happened in these days that we're talking about this morning. It happened during the times of the New Testament when Jesus says, you all seek for signs and wonders. And it happens today, even among Christians. They want to see signs and wonders. When the only sign and wonder that was given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ is his death and resurrection. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Blessed are those who believe that Jesus is Lord. And he graciously gave us the sign of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper and baptism. See and believe the gospel through these elements. Perhaps you're seeking for a sign or wonder in your life. God, show me something. Show me a sign or a wonder. He gave you the Bible. He gave you his word. The crucified and risen one, Jesus Christ, is declared in this word. You want to know life? You want to know who God is? He's revealed in the way that he made himself revealed to us. Through the Bible. Don't go after strange signs and miracles, great delusions. In the last days, Jesus even says that there will be great delusions and Satan will try to lead astray even the elect of God. Don't be deceived, Christian. Don't be deceived. 
Well, questions about whether this plague affected Israel too. Were the Israelites affected by this? Well, verse 19 it says, the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, their canals, their ponds, all their pools of water, so that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, even the vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. And then it says later on, at verse 24, and all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. So it seems here that it was the Egyptians alone that were affected, but not clearly sure on that. But we do know later on, as we work through the plagues, that God did make a distinction between Israel and Egypt, where God spares the Israelites by his grace from the effects of the plagues. But it's very well possible that he spared them here too. Friends, this, again is a reminder that God is holy and just and true. And he is true in his justice. He is right in his judgments. That's something we don't want to hear today. We don't want to hear that today. And he will be right in his judgments in the last day. Because in Revelation, we hear very similar plagues going on. In Revelation 16, we read this, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. And verse 4 says, The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, Just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Yes, God loves, God is holy, God is good. He is all those things. Let us not forget that God is just. Not something we hear today. Repent and believe the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Be saved from what? The wrath of God to come. What are you being saved from? Yes, you're saved from your sins. Amen. But you're saved, Christian, from the wrath of God to come. When we see family members or friends or neighbors walking in unbelief, walking in unrighteousness, they too need to be warned as we are warned. To repent and believe. Pharaoh would not. Lastly, the objective of the plague. And this is encapsulated here in verse 17. By this you shall know that I am the Lord. The Lord God makes clear his objective. 
to judge Pharaoh for his sin and rebellion against the Lord, and that Pharaoh will know that he is the Lord of life and the creator of all things. All things are in his hands. The Lord God made the Nile, but Pharaoh made the Nile an idol, something to be worshipped. Again, let us approach a text like this with awe and humility that he is Lord. Consider the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God who assumed our human flesh and likeness, yet without sin. Consider Jesus who appeared before Israel by many signs and wonders, proving that he is Lord, he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Consider Jesus who through whom all things were created, by whom all, th- all things hold together, for Jesus is the sovereign Lord. Behold Jesus, the one who holds all things together, and it humbled himself to the point of death, death on a cross. The Lord God sent his son to pay for our sins and to deliver us from the wrath to come. We deserve the judgment of God. You can't be a Christian unless you realize and understand where your sin leads you. And the judgment that our sin deserves. That's what makes the good news of Jesus all the more beautiful. Where you say with Newton, I'm a great sinner, but he's a great what? Savior. Is he your great Savior? Is he your great Lord? Through faith in Christ, we come to a river, the river of life. We come to the streams of living water. And we drink abundantly from the living waters where our thirst is quenched. It's not a stench of death, but an aroma of life. And we drink abundantly. We drink from Christ, who is Lord. And I would be remiss if I neglected to say this. We have to be very careful how we talk about natural disasters today. Things that happen Today, tornadoes in the south, earthquakes in the west, and calling out these earthquakes as particular judgments for particular sins. Be very careful because this is very unique, what we're looking at this morning. Indeed, God judges righteously. And his righteous judgment is being revealed even today. But to call out particular people groups or nations as if they're the greater sinners, be careful. Because what does Jesus say? Look with me at Luke 13 in closing. Luke chapter 13.
There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Look in your own hearts. Who are you trusting in for forgiveness and mercy and healing? Who is your life source? I pray that it's Jesus. I pray that he is Lord of your life. I pray that he is your only Savior. Because he will be your only Savior from the wrath of God to come. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for the deep, deep love of Jesus. We thank you that he rescues us from this present evil age and delivers us from the wrath of God to come. That through him and him alone, we come to the rivers of life, the streams of living water in the heavenly places, the heavenly Jerusalem, where we drink abundantly. Oh, Father in heaven, We pray that you would have mercy upon us, that you would have mercy upon this land and upon the nations, and that your gospel go forth and there would be a mighty and great revival of the Spirit through the ministry of the Holy Gospel. And that through the preaching and teaching of your word, through the various administrations of your word, that your Holy Spirit would draw many from every tribe, tongue, and nation to Jesus and faith in his name. For by his blood, he cleansed a people for himself. By his blood, he shed his blood for lost sinners like us, that we may have life and life eternal in your most holy presence. Oh, Father, we thank you For your word, we thank you for your promise. May we, O Lord, not only hear your word, but receive it with hearts of faith, with belief. And that we, O Lord, may put feet to our faith, for faith worketh through love. And so may we love you and love our neighbor and demonstrate our love for our neighbor by sharing with them this great and glorious gospel that Jesus has paid it all Turn to him, come to the waters, and drink freely. For in his name we pray.